I, I hope you guys had a good week. Last week I did. I went up to a church up in Binghamton and was up there. It was nice to not have any responsibilities. However, I will say I was texting Maddie up until about 9 o'clock, and then she said, stop talking to me. You're not allowed to know anything. Because I was like, are you guys okay? Do you need this? Do you need that? But I hear it went off all right. So uh, I'm glad that I had a week away. I missed you guys, but I'm glad to be back and, and, and being with my church family. It's nice. And I'm, I'm happy, I hope that you guys are happy to have me back. The laughter doesn't bode well for that. <laughs> We're going to be in Job chapter 42 today. Um, we finished up, not last week, but the week before, we finished up walking through the churches in Revelation. Um, and in a few weeks, we're going to start our three-week uh, series on how to study your Bible. So we have a few weeks in between here uh, that we're going we're gonna to talk about a few things. And so today, we're in Job chapter 42. Now, before I read this, I want to, I mean, most of us know the story of Job, but let's recap anyway, right? So Job, this takes place like way back. You're talking before Abraham, like, like way back. It's considered to be one of the oldest stories in Scripture. Everything that is material, he has. He has wealth, he has a family, he has land, he has livestock. He's got everything that you could ever want. And on top of all of that, he's a righteous man. He's a godly man, right? And I love the book of Job because it's the, it's the one place in Scripture where we really see an interaction between Satan and God. We know that it happens, but it's really the, one of the few places where we see this interaction, right? So Satan goes up to heaven and he says, God, and God's like, hey, look at my servant Job and how awesome he is. And Satan's like, well, yeah, of course he's going to worship you. You've given him everything he could ever want. And slowly yet surely, God allows Satan to start taking things away. His family, his wealth, his health. Until eventually he's left with three things. A body that is covered in sores and boils and such. It says that he's scraping the pus off of himself with broken clay pots. That sounds like fun. He's left with a nagging wife. Telling him to curse God and die. And he's left with three friends. See, I saw a few of the wives go, yep, because maybe you're the nagging wife. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. And he's left with three friends who are giving him horrible counsel. He was the best man on the earth. And he's brought down to this. And this is where we find him in Job chapter 42. Let's read these first six verses, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. Job 42, 1 through 6, 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Let's talk about this. First off, number one, a look back. Number one, a look back. The previous three chapters in this book, 39, 40, 41, and bits of 38, see God speaking to Joseph, or Joseph, wow, 
that's probably going to happen more than once. Speaking to Job out of a cloud. And he shows up and he's like, who are you? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I tamed the Leviathan? Yes, in case you wanted to know, dragons existed. Job talks about a lizard that breathes fire. Dragons existed. Whether they flew or not, it doesn't say. But either way, can you just think of a giant lizard running at you with fire out of its mouth? That sounds terrifying. I'm hoping to ride one when I get in heaven. But he spends these previous chapters and God reveals himself and who he is through these three chapters. He reveals himself in his might. He reveals himself through nature and he reveals himself through creatures. And he goes, I am over all of it. Who are you, Job? Because here's the thing. Job had gotten to a place where he wasn't cursing God, but he was questioning him. So let's look at number two now. It's okay to question. So number one was a look back, and we looked, and, and, and about how God's revealing himself, and he's asking Job, I love this, because if God ever showed up to me, first off, I'd probably die. But secondly, he's just like, were you there? Were you there? He, I love it. The sar- if you read through that, the sarcasm is just dripping off of it, as God's like, oh, you a wise one, why don't you counsel me? It's great. If you ever want to know if God's sarcastic, yes, he is. Go read those chapters. But here we go. So number two, it's okay to question. It is okay to question. I want to talk about this for a little bit. It is okay to be in the moment and to go, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? What is the plan through all of this? I don't see it. But I trust you anyway. And I'm going to keep going. And if you choose not to reveal the plan to me, I will keep trusting you because I know you're wiser than me. I know your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. I know you are greater than me, so I'm going to trust you in it. I'm asking what's going on, but I'm trusting you in it. It is not okay. It is not okay to say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? It's better if you do this. I know what's better. Do this. Let me put this in perspective. We've waited over a year, not over a year, right about a year now for work to begin on a lift out there. We have hit every roadblock imaginable. Well, maybe not imaginable, but pretty much. It is okay to say, God, why? Why, aren't you, why are you allowing Cog to just stand there and, and deny everything? Why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing this? I'm trusting you, and I know you're going to make it happen, but why are you allowing it to happen? You, you want us to work. You want us to further your kingdom. We think this is what you want us to do. We've prayed about it. So why are, why are you not allowing it to happen? I'm trusting you, and we're going to keep working and walking through it, but God, why? Here's the thing. Realize that 99.999% of the time, you will not get an answer. Every once in a while, he throws you a little bone, and he gives you the answer. Most of the time, he's not. It's okay to say that. It is not okay to say, now, God, hold on a second, because that elevator allows us to bring handicapped kids downstairs so that we can have them for light the night, or it allows Linda to be able to travel up and down so she can go to, the, uh, to any uh, desserts or dinners we have downstairs. Wouldn't it be better? God, isn't it better? Why aren't you doing it? Because this is the more wise thing, God. That's not okay. 
to say. Do you hear the difference in there? The one is, God, I trust you, and I don't see it. I don't understand it. I'm trusting you through it, but I don't understand. And the one is, God, I'm smart. I'm wise. I bet I'm, and I know I'm not wiser than you, but come on, in this situation, I got to know what's the right thing to do. And there's a difference in there. I don't think God minds when you ask him questions. In fact, I think he would rather you ask him than just decide to live in self-doubt. Or in, in not in self-doubt, but in doubt. You think of a kid, right? The Bible is full of, of, of kids. And he says, you know, of, of, and it's full of God's love for kids. If you've had kids or grandkids or been around kids, Linnea is experiencing this now, Linnea and Brent. Kids ask questions nonstop. Why? What you doing? What does this do? It's nonstop. But when a kid trusts you and you answer them, maybe not give them the whole answer because there are certain things that you keep away from the knowledge of children at times. You protect their innocence for as long as you can maybe. But when you're truthful to them and when they can trust you, they'll accept certain answers. And they'll go, okay, I trust you. One of the things that we've started telling Jax is because that's the way God made it. Oh, okay. In 10 years, that might not cut it. He's going to want to know a little bit deeper of an answer. But for now, when he asks his parents or his grandparents, that's enough because he trusts their wisdom. We are God's children, you and me. And yes, some of us are older, but to him... We're still just a little three-year-old toddler running around. And you're going, God, why? Because I said so. Is that a good enough answer? Tell you what, that was not a good enough answer for me when I got to be like 14. And I'd be like, why not, Dad? And he'd be like, because I said so. That's not a good enough answer anymore for me. It was because he wasn't going to give me anymore because I'm the dad. Yeah, well, when I'm a dad, I'm going to say the same thing. I might do it out of spite. No. But I feel that that's God's answer to us because I'm God. That's why. Trust me, I'm God. I know what's happening. I know what's going on. So here we have Job is questioning and G Christ, Christ, well, okay. But God shows up and he's going, stop asking. You've done so well so far. You won't curse me and die. You've told all of your friends, one, I'm not sinning which is some of the stuff his friends were telling him, you must be in some sin because God wouldn't do this to you if you weren't sinning. Whenever somebody says that to you, point them to Job because God allows Job to go through literal hell. And he wasn't a sinning man. Not he wasn't perfect, because nobody is, but that wasn't the reason. And finally, God is like, okay, stop asking. Here's the thing, right? Number three now. So number one was a look back. Number two, it's okay to question. Number three, Job's... Confession. And that's the title of this section of scripture, Job's Confession. So after all this, after God shows who he is, Job's response was reverence, repentance, and glorifying God. That's his response. After all of it, when God's like, all right, I've just laid it all out for you, Job. The ball is now in, you, in your court. What are you going to do? 
Job says, you're right. Who am I to have said anything to you? Who am I? I'm nothing. And I'm sorry, God. I repent, and I love this, and I repent in dust and ashes. He's, he, he lowers himself. See, we have a choice, right? And here's the thing. I don't know of anybody in this room that God has showed up to in a cloud. If he has, come talk to me. I want to hear about it. But God doesn't really work in that way in today's day and age. In the New Testament times, for the most part, he doesn't work through that. What does he work through? He works through this. He works through his written word. And when he shows up, what's your response? Is it, oh, wow, look at me. I'm so good. I found this. Or is it, holy cow, look at God. And I'm nothing. Because here's the thing, church. You are nothing in and of yourself. I don't care how talented you are, how smart you are, how much money you have, how much money you've given. I don't care. You're nothing in and of yourself. With Christ, you're everything. Without him, you're nothing. And so what is your response? We don't have a, quote, closing song. We're gonna, I am going to sing a song, but it's not a, uh, a hymn or anything like that, something like that. You all know how much I love Casting Crowns. And off of their first album, I think it is. It's their first or second. I think it's the first one. Um, he wrote a song, Mark Hall wrote a song called Who Am I? And the whole point, he, he, he talks about, he was originally writing down, and when he writes through the verses, and then he's going to write the chorus, he's gonna, he, he, his original plan was to write about how we're conquerors, and we're, and we're this, and we're that. And as he's starting to write it, he felt the Spirit go, no. You're quickly fading. You're gone. You're nothing. But I still love you. Yes, you're a conqueror. We know that. Through Christ. But what's your response going to be? Because here's the thing. We all face that many, many times. I'm 25 years old, and almost every day, I'm faced with the decision of, well, am I going to praise myself, or am I going to humble myself and praise God? And this song has always been, since I first heard it, been a reminder to me of who I am. Because here's the thing, right? He starts the chorus and he goes, you know, I'm a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow. But you hear me when I'm calling and you catch me while I'm falling. And you've told me who I am. I'm yours. And Job knew, who's he, who, Job knew who he belonged to. So he can say those words at the end. And what does God do? Well, God blesses him incredibly so. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be blessed incredibly so monetarily and, and, and wealth-wise and land and everything like that. That's not what that means. But he's going to bless. So I'm going to sing this, and I, the words aren't up there, but I'm going to guess that a lot of you guys know it. But just listen to it. I mean, realize what your response is going to be. Is it going to be Job's response in the end? God, we praise you this morning. We ask that our response can be Job's. Who am I? I'm nothing but you, God. You're everything. Teach me. Lead me. Guide me. Let that be our prayer this week as we go about our lives. Father, we thank you. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen and amen.